Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Namaste, mods and mamas. I am so grateful that you're back for another episode of the Time and Talks podcast. I really have to thank so many of you who've been warming me with your messages, your shares on Instagram. It really overjoys my heart every time I see it. And I'm so incredibly grateful that you've been getting so much value from the podcast. So today's podcast is another great one and we're pressing the reset button on reactive parenting. So as parents, I know we strive to model kindness, compassion, and patience when we're interacting with our kids, but none of us are perfect. And in stressful moments, you may react to your kids by yelling. And this is not what we want to do. A lot of our parenting reactions are actually deeply ingrained and learned from our parents. And so this week, I'm inviting Hunter Clark Field, who is a mindfulness mentor, the host of the Mindful Mama podcast, creator of the Mindful Parenting membership, and the author of the new book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. And that's what we're going to dish about today. But before we dive into the episode, I just want to let you guys know that please save the date. If you're in the New York, New Jersey area, my book launch event for my Meditation for Kids book, which is coming out of spring 2020, is going to be on Saturday, May 9th in Hoboken. And if you're in the Southern California area, save the date for Saturday, May 16th. I'll be in Orange County. Um, It's going to be an amazing event. There's going to be a book signing. I'm going to be teaching you everything you need to know about bringing a family mindfulness and meditation practice into your family's busy schedule. And it's just going to be a great outing with your mama besties of some inspiration, um, some great conversations, and I'm really excited to meet you guys in real life. So more information for the tickets will be out in March, but I'd love to meet you, so save the date now. So without further ado, let's welcome Hunter to the show who's going to help us press the reset button on reactive parenting. Thank you so much, Hunter, for coming on to the Time and Talks podcast and helping us press the reset button on reactive parenting. Amen to that. Thank you for having me. Well, you just wrote this amazing book called Raising Good Humans. It's a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids, which is it was so thought-provoking. And what I really, really loved the essence of it is you really share really authentic, raw, vulnerable moments of your parenthood when you're sitting on the hallway floor crying or like difficult conversations with your daughter. And I felt the the energy of the same exact experiences with my own sons. And so I really thank you for being so honest and vulnerable in your Oh, book. you're welcome. Yeah. I, I think it makes such a difference to just be real about how hard it is. It's really hard for everyone, you know, and, and I, I wasn't good at, I wasn't good at it. I was pretty bad. And I come from that place of like, I was kind of bad. And so if you're in a tough place, you can turn it around too. (laughs) 
Though it's and it's really inspiring because your daughter is a little bit older now. They're nine and twelve, and you know one of the deepest fears that we have is that we're going to totally screw up our kids, <laughs> especially when they're the young age. And so it's like really refreshing to be able like you are not going to totally mess them up. You will still have a good relationship with them, and um, you were all going to screw up. So that's why I really like. It really was great because it touched my heart in so many different ways. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Like I've had that embarrassing moment too <laughs> and really not yes, being alone. Yes, yeah. And I, I think what you said, like, uh, th- I know that whole idea of like, we're going to screw up our kids if we don't get it perfectly be- under the age of three is so impressionable. It just like put the fear in me and it's so unhelpful. Um, and I think whatever time you end up doing the work of kind of transforming your your own presence and the way you communicate with your kids. Like it's, it's great to do. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. Like I taught mindful parenting to an in-person group a few years ago and I had a grandmother in my course. She was taking care of her six-year-old grandchild. And at the end of the course, she shared with me that she had healed her relationship with her adult daughter. And I was like, yes, yes. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's never too late. You know, we can always begin anew. Yeah, that's really important to know because like if you're, you have a young child and you have an older child and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally (laughs) missed the wagon. I totally screwed them up. I was not, you know, I I wasn't doing this and it's really right. And I think you can absolutely resonate. Like you come to this wisdom when you're, you're meant to. And honestly, this generation of the internet, we're just, it's, it's just, and people like you writing these books, it's just so much information at our fingertips. So don't beat yourself up. Thank you for, you know, for sharing that about even your older children, or like, if you're a grandparent, it totally, you're going to be taking care of grandchildren, you know, it's totally um, a skill set that is important for all of us. Definitely. So um, just a little fun fact, we always start with a little icebreaker, but talking about like the Instagram world and Facebook world. So I recently met Hunter in person, we were at Marie Forleo's book signing. And I recognize Hunter because I was part of her Facebook group. And I know like, it's weird, like when you're going, you know, somebody because you follow them, and then you go to them, like, should I go up to them in real life? Because they're gonna think you don't want to be like slash stalker ish, because you know, (laughs) like, I know about your life, but you, you know, I'm a complete stranger. (laughs) But, um, you know, with the Instagram thing, have you experienced that happening like more and more like when you go places like people know you, but you don't? Yeah, I mean, it happens sometimes like there are a couple moments that were pretty funny. Like, I was at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. And I'm like going with my kids to go to the big joust at the end of the fair. And there's a woman selling water bottles. And she says, you're the mindful mama mentor. And I'm like, Oh, hello. <laughs> you know, It's great to see you. And then there was a dad at my local library. He's like, Oh, hello. How are you? And now, uh, now, he, you know, he, he's like, a, a just lives nearby to me. And so we're, we're kind of on first name basis now, which is pretty cool. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's the it's the whole like now like etiquette that's going to be like when you meet someone that you follow on Instagram, like, you know, it's a it's a cool thing. Like my 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 coolest, I think, 
my coolest thing was I was at Disneyland or Disney World, sorry, Disney World for Thanksgiving with my family. And randomly someone came up to me and my husband's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. But I was like so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, like you recognized me. Um, but yeah, that's really neat. But you were just so kind. You didn't make me feel awkward. Or anything. Oh no, I love it. I <laughs> mean, I think it's so cool to like me put names to faces and say, yes, you, you're this person and we're connected and we're part of this, this movement. Like, it's so cool. I love it. Yeah, me too. So let's dive into your new book. There's so much that I want to unpack. I just, I mean, 30 minutes is just not going to cover it. You guys have to buy the book. So this is just going to literally be a tip on the iceberg of what is um, the juicy nuggets in your book. But your book is really designed to help parents stay more grounded when kids have meltdowns, how to be um, more compassionate when we communicate. One of the big things that you share, which I really appreciated, was that, you know, losing control is not a choice that we make. It's something that we're biologically wired to do, and we have to take intentional steps in order to respond compassionately. And that is what your book is really helping us do, try to break out of the autopilot so that we can choose more conscious ways. And so when it comes to being a less less of a reactive parent, you say that mindfulness is a superpower that all us parents need. And can you share a little bit more about why that is sure so. yeah I mean it, it I really you know people kind of I, I feel like um, I get worried people roll their eyes when I say that but it really is so powerful in so many ways because you know we just like you said we're wired for reactivity we're wired to uh, you know look see the negative things and um, our stress response can really push and pull us in a really big way and and old patterns and all of that and all that stress response, uh, you know, activity is like driven by this part of the brain, which is, you know, deep in the brainstem right near, you know, the spinal cord near called the uh, amygdala. And it's in charge of that, you know, ah, oh, crap, you know, kind of mm -hmm. response where your body's like, oh, my gosh. And it, the, basically, that stress response is either on or off. So it's either like making your muscles tense, and getting you ready to react, or it's not and it's not really discerning <laughs> what's happening, right? So it often sees your kid, your child as a, a threat and will, you know, you'll, that stress response will get activated. And that's totally normal. It's something you, like you said, we have, we don't have like conscious control over that, right? <clears throat> but we can do something about it, which is cool. And so what's exciting about the idea of mindfulness practice and, and mindfulness is the a practice of intentionally putting our attention in the present moment um, with an attitude of kindness and curiosity, right? So we're not judging ourselves and we're just practicing to, you know, to come back to the present moment, maybe focusing, anchoring in our breath or our sensations or even our child, right? So this practice, you know, and, and meditation is sort of the gold standard for this. They've done so much research on it in the last <clears throat> number of years and, What's so cool is that they've discovered it, it really does. I mean, among other things, like it actually like decreases anxiety, decreases impression, increases sense of well-being, clarity, focus, better sleep, all those things. But for parents, it decreases our reactivity. So that amygdala where that fight, flight or freeze stress response originates, like after an eight week steady practice of mindfulness, 
it can actually shrink in density, like grow less dense. So you're changing the brain. And then the prefrontal cortex, which is like right behind your forehead, which is where <clears throat> the seat of your, you know, all your higher order thinking, like problem solving, verbal ability, empathy, you know, all the things we need and want to, to parent more skillfully, um, that area actually grows more, more dense in gray matter and the connectivity between them increases. So, and I just want to be clear here that like, the stress response stuff really matters because you may have learned like a ton of like great responses to say to your child, but when that stress response is triggered, it actually, what the nervous system is doing is actually bypassing, completely bypassing that prefrontal cortex so you can react mm -hmm. quickly. And so, you know, it's all that good advice has gone out the window. You don't have access to it. Yeah. So this is really something that we kind of have to address this work within ourselves. Absolutely. You're so right. Because like, you know, this is not going to be the first time I know that I've definitely Googled, you know, how to yell less with your kids or how to be less reactive. And I know a lot of us parents have. So that's why like when you hear that, well, like, you know, that great advice, it's like, how come I forgot to like <laughs> implement that in the moment? And exactly what you're saying, I think it's important to know the science of how this is helping, helping shift our brain. Because like you said, you know, mindfulness and meditation, it is these new bu buzzwords. And I know that, you know, from my own clients, it's almost sometimes like, oh, it feels daunting, like mindfulness, like I just can't do it. Or, you know, my life is too busy or I can't sit still, you know, all those slew of different um, responses is that we just have made up. But it is all these different advices of like, as far as like how to be in the moment and, you know, control yourself is about understanding, like you said, you perceive your mind perceives your child like a threat almost exactly like how it perceives like a tiger trying to maul you. <laughs> and yeah. It's true. Like that's the physical reaction that we feel. And from your book, I actually say to myself, like my son's name is Ayan is like Ayan is not a threat. Like when I feel like that heat building up in my body and it actually helps me calm down because it's like telling my nervous system, yo, slow your roll. <laughs> like you don't have to like bite his head off. Like he's not going to attack you and like demolish you, you know? And that's exactly how it Oh, feels. I love that and little mantra. That's great. I'm going to have to add that to my list. But, but yeah, my child is not a threat or I am helping my child. And that's great when you're doing that because you're like getting that verbal part of your brain back online and you're kind of like using everything you can to 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 work with the nervous system and to get yourself back into the rest and relax response, right? And we can do that through a mantra like that, or we can do it like very physically, right? Um, in yoga, they've known for a long, long time that uh, a longer exhale is calming to the body. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool why the science of why that happens, because with every breath you take, every inhale is a mini um, stress response in the body. It increases the heart rate and tightens the muscles just a little bit. And every exhale is a mini rest and relax response. That's how it works in the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that when you ex just simply exhale for longer than you inhale, you're triggering that rest and relax response. So you can just do it like through the physical body. You can work with, you know, your thoughts. There's lots of different ways to work with it. That is awesome. You know, I knew about the exhale longer, but the way that you explained it makes so much sense. Like that when you're inhaling, it's activating the stress. And when you're exhaling, the rest and digest response. So cool. I love that tidbit. Thank you for so much for sharing that. 
Um, you know, another big thing, what I got a big aha from your book around the mindfulness with, with parenting is that, you know, mindfulness allows you to be open to the moment, but it, you share this really amazing perspective that children are not the same person twice. Like every morning we wake up with a new child and every single moment they are growing, learning and changing. And mindfulness helps us recognize this truth from a fresh new set of eyes. This is directly quoted from your book. I love that because I realize that a lot of my reactivity is that say if a situation happened in the past and something similar to that is happening now, my immediate response is that last time he couldn't handle it or he melted down. So like, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells or I'm like preparing myself or, you know, psyching myself out to react because he's going to react the same way. So I love that because every moment we got to give our children an opportunity to make new choices and try something new and they'll respond differently. So um, I think that you illustrated that great point as far as like how mindfulness, when you're mindful in the moment, you can actually step. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool if you can, and it's that attitude of kindness and curiosity, right? And curiosity is the, is the opposite of judgment. Judgment is I've made a decision about this and this is how it is. But if we can, try to practice to remain curious, like, who are you right now? What is happening right now? Let me just be present without telling a whole story about this moment right now. That can, it just, it makes it so, you know, with time and with practice, we just get less triggered. I mean, actually, my daughter last night, she got angry. Um, She had deliberately, like, you know, we have a timer for screen time. She's supposed to only have a half an hour. She set her timer for 45 minutes and after about, you know, half an hour. So I was like, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, I think your your timer's up. And she got so mad at me that she she actually like yelled and and um and you know, I I talk about like how I've gotten triggered plenty of times and I and that happens, you know, still at certain times, but like at least in that moment, I was just like okay, what's happening here? Like in that ability to be curious, Mm -hmm. just, I I was just like, I felt like I was an observer of this moment. And later my husband was like, Hey, you reacted really well to that. And I was like, thanks, honey. But it really was this feeling of like, Oh, what's happening here? This is curious and interesting. You know, like I wasn't like judging her. And and so it really does help in a lot of those moments. I'm glad you shared that because I noticed that even for myself, that when my son is angry at something else, like something else had happened, it's easier to be for me to be more present with him when he's having a meltdown about when it's directed, the anger is directed outwards. But the minute that it's directed towards me, I feel, I feel like the reason why I would get reactive is because I would take yeah. it personally and I would get my feelings hurt. And so, you know, in moments like that, when the anger, like you said, staying curious, when the anger is directed towards you, you know, do you have any other tips of like how to stay present without kind of engaging or being pulled into their emotional Mm. flood? Yeah, well, I want to answer your question in in two parts. And one is like, some ways you can do that. And then also what to do when you don't because you're going to mess up a lot because you're human. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I, I think some of the some of the best ways I mean, I 
I say, you know, I really love for people to practice, uh, have a practice of non-reactivity. So you're kind of building that muscle daily because, you know, listening to a podcast about tennis is not going to make you a better tennis player. So just saying, but, <laughs> <Real>. <laughs> but, um, but in that moment, as you're starting to kind of get frustrated, um, it's really important and really helpful to verbalize that and say it and acknowledge it yeah. as the things are building. So if you can say, I'm starting to get really frustrated, and then that can be, what's beautiful about that is actually just verbalizing it provides some relief, you know, and, and this we know this for other people. Sometimes if, if someone says, oh, you're really upset, and you're like, yeah, you know, it feels good to be seen and heard. We can do that for ourselves, you know, as we verbalize, I'm really frustrated. It's like, oh, it's out there. You know, I've acknowledged it. It provides some relief, which is great. And then you can use it as kind of a bell of like, oh, I got to do something about this. I've got to do take a few steps to, 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 to tap into that rest and relax response, like Hunter and Tejo were talking about. Like, how can I, how can I kind of release some of this tension so I can, you know respond more thoughtfully than in my intention, right? Okay. My child is not a threat. <sighs> Maybe some sigh breaths, like five or six loud, dramatic sigh breaths are, they've actually been studied and they really change the brain chemistry. Maybe shaking it out, just taking a moment mm -hmm. to like splash some cold water on your face. All those, you know, do a forward fold, all these kind of whatever those things for you that help do that longer exhale. So that can be, I mean, just that whole piece of like, I'm acknowledging as it's happening, like use that to, to then point the arrow back at you. You don't have to respond right away. Actually, it's a really lot better for our kids if we don't like get pulled into the back and forth and we just give some space before we respond. I need a minute. I'm starting to get really frustrated. Um and then do take some steps to take care of that frustration. Wow. You know what I hear, what I heard you say is that, and I want to just highlight it, is that, you know, energy, the anger has an energy to it. So when we feel that hotness or our pulse, you know, beating fast, we know when we're in that state. What you're sharing is, is that it's important to get that energy out before you respond. And so, um, you know, it's an, our natural inclination is to like react or say something, you know, like when something's happening, but to, to bring that pause, which is where you share, that's where the mindfulness practice comes in, is to be able to have that pause to move the energy out before you respond. Is Absolutely. that correct? And, and like not responding, it might be like as hard for you as like stopping your pee midstream when you have been driving for hours and hours. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just saying it might really be hard, but you can do it. It is possible. It feels really weird and uncomfortable and strange and things like that. Mm -hmm. So part two, right? You're human and you make a mistake. Maybe you've got your stress levels overall are really high. So it, this has just been overwhelming for you. <clears throat> and you freak out at your child, right? Let me put one little piece of advice in um, as we move down the timeline. So say you're yet, you're like about to yell, you're so frustrated, you yell anyway. If you can yell something like, I'm really angry right now, that's really great. Like that's a total skillful step to say, I'm really angry right, right now, because that's pointing the finger back at ourselves. We're owning our own feelings, mm -hmm. all that stuff. But let's say you lose it, you freak out, you say something you regret to your child, and 
this after part is really, really important because this afterwards part is what determines whether you can grow and learn and change from this situation or whether you end up feeling like stuck and just like going for the Oreos. So um, if you, after that situation, right, for many of us, we start to say, oh, I'm a terrible parent. What's wrong with me? This is, oh, and we start being this like mean, harsh words to ourselves. And if that happens for you, you're really not alone because that happens to a lot of us. But that kind of self-talk leaves us feeling incapacitated. We're not able to learn. We end up wanting to numb our feelings, like have a glass of wine, eat the, go for the cookies, whatever it is, right? Like that's not, that's not going to help you learn and grow. Um, but if you can practice to practice self-compassion, practice to be kind to yourself, how would, you know, your best friend talk to you or you, how would you talk to your best friend if something like this had happened to her? Like, ah, you might put a hand to your heart. Like this was hard. It's hard. This parenting thing, there's all these habits that get triggered and, and it was a, mess, but you know, you're doing your best and you can begin anew and you're a good person. And I, this is really hard. So say you say all those things to yourself and even say, you know what, you're not alone. Even Tejal, even Hunter, they have been in these moments too. And there, you know, the, lots of, there are mil billions of people in this world, at least a million people right now feel this way, right? So like, just start to talk yourself out of that. And that practice of self-compassion and it might feel weird, it might feel unnatural, it is a practice. But what's beautiful about that is that it is actually, and research shows this, what allows you to then grow and change and do things that are outside your comfort zone, like trying a different response. If if you try a different response and you're you're inevitably human and mess up and you're mean to yourself, you're not gonna wanna try new, new things. But if you try something new, and you inevitably mess up because you're human and then you're kind to yourself, it's not, it's a softer landing and it allows you to grow and learn and keep trying, keep beginning anew. Absolutely. Self-compassion, you, which you highlight a lot in the book is such an important practice. And I know that you, um, you share like the loving kindness meditation. And, you know, I know that you also say like, just even placing your hand on your heart to so say, if you don't even have the words, but just the simple act of just resting your hand on your heart starts changing. Um, you know, you're the frequency of your energy and your body. So that's a wonderful place to even start. Like if you're not ready to talk yourself out of it, just, just rest your hand on your heart and then it will come. Um, but you know, I love what you say also, like whenever I've had a moment where I've completely lost it, I know that I have like a day or two of like, like, and I'm laying like really lost it. I've had this like day or two of like this heaviness and, just for me, like the mantra, and I just want to share this because it might help other people is that I'm willing to find a new solution. I'm willing to do better. It's just like even having that willingness, just be like, I'm going to, I want to find a new solution and having that energy of searching within a day or two, I find the blog or an Instagram meme or a book or the person that I need to talk to that will give me a new solution to try. And it's always, or the download just comes in. Like I'm meditating and a download comes in and be like, try this. And so that's kind of how this willingness to kind of grow and compassion for me looks like is that placing my hand on my heart. And then also just being like, 
I have a willingness to be better and just allow me to have the wisdom of what do I need to do? What can I try differently? For you, um, you know, you mentioned like the loving kindness is a big thing mm-hmm. for you, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's made a huge impact on my life. And um, it's, I think the the practice of intentionally cultivating kindness and compassion to ourselves, to others, it's so, so powerful. We tend to be so so hard on ourselves. And the truth is like what, when people, people have asked me the question, well, you know, what, what do children really need? Right. And I, I, I believe that children need um, unconditional love, right. Which is, uh, you know, love, I love you and I accept you no matter what, you know, and you're allowed to have the full range of human emotions and I still love you and accept you. You're allowed to be all those ugly things too. And I still love you and accept you. And the truth is to be able to do that, we have to do that for ourselves first. We can't Mm -hmm. give what we do not have. And this is not from me. This is from research. It's from Brene Brown. You cannot give what you do not have. You have to be practicing that within. Um, It really, that, that inner voice, you're not going to live with your kids 18 years plus, and they're not going to learn what your inner voice is like, right? It's going to come out eventually. So that work of practicing that kindness within, transforming that that inner state to to pra- have a more reflexive kindness, it it makes such a huge impact. Like there's um there's a wonderful metaphor that uh, Wayne Dyer used to share, which I think for me made such an impact just thinking about it. And he would, he would ask the audience like, you know, so if I have this orange and I squeeze this orange, what's going to come out? And people would say, well, juice, juice is going to come out. And he'd say, well, yeah, well not, no pineapple juice is going to come out of this orange. And similarly, when we are squeezed, what is inside Mm -hmm. is what's going to come out. So that Mm -hmm. practice of, practicing to offer ourselves kindness, offer ourselves compassion, all that stuff that it makes a huge, huge impact. Beautiful metaphor. I love that. You know, one, one of the things I think that a lot of us struggle, you know, going to along the lines of compassion and just even communicating, right? Like communicating when our child is having a problem what do we say to be kind and compassionate or to kind of hold space for them? Can you share a little bit about what we could do when they're having a problem and how we can hold space? Sure. Absolutely. So one of the, one of the biggest, there's a whole bunch of ways like that we kind of habitually respond to kids when they have a problem that, that aren't very skillful, but it's just kind of the way we do things. And you can even think about this. Like if you've had a problem and talk to your partner, the first thing he or she might start to do right away is fix it, <laughs> right? Like offer some mm-hmm. advice. And you might say like, wait a second, I just need you to hear me. And we know this. And so all the tools in, in raising good humans are all like really universal. They're going to help with every age relationship. And so we can, we know that the way to help someone solve their own problem is not to solve their problem for them. It's not to give them the message that it's bad for them to have these feelings. Really, what we want to do is really be present for them. You know, stop stop planning dinner on our head. Stop trying to say, you know, trying to fast forward through this moment because it's uncomfortable for you. Um, but really be present. 
look at your child, see them, hear them, see that they're struggling. It may be something that you think is so dumb, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's real for them right now. Like, um, and, and what our kids really need and, and really what others need when they have a problem is that that sense of acknowledgement and reflecting it back. So I call this like reflective listening. People call this lots of different ways and in, in over the years, but it's really about the intention to really be present, to really bring curiosity to the moment and things like that. So same daughter last night, she was just having a night. Anyway, <laughs> we, we, my, my, we went to get, um, my husband went and got takeout from our local burrito place and she ordered tacos and I texted him his order and she wanted tacos with onions and whatever. Right. So the tacos arrive and she is just, she is like not having these onions. She is so upset about these onions. She's freaking out. And we're all like, you know, it's kind of a night with a lot of things happening. And she's, uh, she's like, and we're just like, this is what you asked for. Like eat the stupid tacos. Like we are just annoyed by this. Like we are yelling. We can't (laughs) enjoy our dinner. This is frustrating. And in that moment, you know, it's, it takes, even me, it takes a while to remember sometimes. And and I said, okay, I'm like waving my hand at my husband. I'm like trying to shush my older daughter who they're all like, you're so. Mm-hmm. And, and what I did is I reflected back to my daughter. I was like, I, it's so frustrating to, to get something and you, you have to kind of live with it because that's what you have. That sucks. I know. And it just, and and I talked to her, yeah, I said, I've I've had to order things and just like eat the bread out of the sandwich because it was just not what I wanted. And that's annoying because you're looking forward to, to your meal. And after having like ranted in a lot of different ways and, you know, people just telling her to just stuff it, this is what helped her calm down. You mm-hmm. hear me, you see me, right? And then she was able to calm down. She gave the tacos a try. She didn't like them and she ate, made an egg and everything was m- more or less okay until the screen time problem came around later in the <laughs> evening. <laughs> there must have been something going on in the air because my, um, you know, Hunter lives in Delaware. I live in South Jersey, not too far apart. There must have been something with the moon or something because my son was also having a conundrum. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Well, that's such a that's such a helpful way of sharing it. And, you know, in the book, you do talk about like these different barriers to communication. And what I loved, you had this exercise and I'm not sharing it on the podcast because you guys got to get the book and you got to do it because it's so good. But you made us be in the position of being a six year old listening to like if someone responded to you when you were having a problem in these ways, like feel it in your body. And I was like, whoa, that was a really powerful exercise. Like even just you hearing you, how you were talking to your daughter of be like, yeah, that is so annoying or frustrating. I'm like, yeah, I know when I've had that happen to me and I was totally frustrated and totally annoyed because I was looking forward to something so much more helpful. And so in the book, when you go through that exercise, which I highly recommend because it really puts us in the position of being in our children and children's shoes and listening to when we're, you know, maybe we're not intentionally trying to blame or thread or, you know, using these different like ordering or kind of dismissing their feelings. How does it really feel? So I loved that exercise in the book, Hunter. Yeah, I I appreciate that too, because we just don't 
realize it. Like we just culturally speak to kids in this kind of disrespectful way, but we don't realize it because we we just don't hear it because it's just so normal. So, I mean, for someone who goes through the exercises like, oh man, I that's what I sound like. You know, you're like oh, having this like wake up call. It's not your fault. Like this is just what this is the culture we're in. Like I hear all the time on the playground, like, ow, ow, I'm hurt. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Which is like dismissing. It just takes, it's just, as, this is just normal, right? But it just takes just as much effort to say, oh, ow, that must have hurt. You know, like that is, that just, it makes it so our kids are like, yeah, thanks. You know, <laughs> they yeah. hear, you hear me, you know, and, and, th- and problems get resolved more quickly ultimately too. Oh, yes. No one's a master at this. We're all learning this and practicing it together. But, um, you know, it's it's these different perspective shifts that you've presented in this book that really help us be in the shoes of a child and just really be in our body to kind of understand it, which is so helpful. And your book is really what you share is you're trying to move away from this idea of being a perfect parent to a good enough parent, which is so good. Cause you know, I, I always felt like we as parents feel like we're taking this test and we're trying to like be like this a plus parent, but the jokes on us. Cause the test is actually a pass fail test. It's not about like, we're just like putting in this extra effort and be like, Oh, I'm going to be like this a plus student. And like life is like uh, jokes on you. You just need to pass the test. You don't need to. You don't need to do that extra jazz. So I really like how your, you know, your your um, techniques and the way that you, the tone, even from the tone that you use in the book, it's very um, inviting. It's uh, very inspiring. And I really think that it's exactly what moms right now need. Um, So I want to end Hunter with one last question. And if there was one um, piece of advice or inspiration you want the mamas to take away from your book that they could put into practice right now, what would it be? Mm, That's a good question. Um, For me, I, I often offer I often offer the self-compassion practice because I think it's the most foundational, but we've talked about that. So we'll talk Mm -hmm. about another one, but I would say, I would invite, um, I would invite moms to, to take a step back and give yourself time, give yourself time for two things. First, give yourself time for you. Give yourself time to just be you, to not have all your focus on your kid, to live a, a, as much as you can, a balanced and fulfilled life, because that's what we want for our kids. And and they live, you know, they learn from how we live. So if we need to live what we want our kids to learn, and we if we want them to have balance and happiness and things like that, you need that for yourself. So give, give that to you, give that, st- that space and time to you, but also maybe give yourself time with your kids to to pause, to slow down, to not squeeze too much in, and also give yourself time to practice pausing, maybe just sitting and taking three deep breaths when there's no problem at all and everything's hunky-dory, right? So practice it in the calm moments to give yourself some space, give yourself some peace, and and make it a daily practice to just take some time to pause, even if it's, you know, you're in between one thing and the other, just give yourself a moment to to stop, sit down, and breathe, and um, and I think that can make a huge difference. 
That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Hunter. Um, so tell our listeners where they can go and buy Raising Good Humans. Sure. Um, it's available everywhere. But if you go to mindfulmamamentor.com, there's a link for the book and you can find the podcast there. But yeah, everything's at mindfulmamamentor.com. Perfect. And where's the best place for uh, mamas to find you like on social media? Definitely Instagram. You'll see all the sort of behind the scenes there. Yeah. Um, and it's mindful. Oh, mama, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mindful mama mentor. So you have to add the mentor at the end. Yes. You, you won't find me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much, Hunter. This was such a riveting conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed all your wisdom. And um, I really appreciated the time that we spent today. Oh, thank you, Tejal. It was so fun to talk to you. I've been talking to a lot of people about the book, but it was really fun to talk to you. And oh, good. I'm so glad. So everyone, Raising Good Humans is, you can purchase it anywhere. And I highly, highly suggest it. You will not regret it. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the Time and Talks podcast. Bye, guys. If you love this episode, I'd be so grateful if you subscribe on iTunes, share it with your mama besties, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do to share is screenshot it, share it on your Instagram story, use the hashtag Time and Talks Podcast, and tag me at Thajal V Patel. Of course, you can just text your mama besties the pod too, which is also totally cool. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, as my special thank you, I'd like to give to you my seven-day stress detox course absolutely free. This is a $79 value course I'm giving to you complimentary as my thank you for leaving a review. If you're a mom who wants tools to use in the heat of the moment that helps you decrease stress, manage your triggers, stop your own meltdowns, or you just want to infuse a simple moment of peace throughout your busy day to get centered, will you want to get your hands on these tools? These tools are rooted in ancient Ayurvedic and yogic wisdom, and these kundalini meditations that I teach only take three minutes or less to feel better. These are my daily go-to tools that keep my stress at bay and help me feel calm and centered, and I'd love to make them available to you. All you gotta do is email me a screenshot of your review over to Thajal at thajalvpatel.com. That is T-E-J-A-L at T-E-J-A-L-V-P-A-T-E-L.com. I'll send you the course details right away so you can get started. And stay tuned, my book, Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Stay Present, Improve Concentration, and Manage Difficult Emotions is going to be released in spring 2020. This is going to be your favorite guide to make meditation fun, simple, and a part of your family's daily routine. Till next time. Bye guys.